Welcome to the Doxa Dialogue, a podcast about living life on mission for the glory of God. That's something we say every episode, and today's topic hits very close to home. Every week we're talking about a different part of our lives and how we should be living it for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And before January 6th ever happened, I wanted to talk about two things, nationalism and the gospel. That was going to be our original title. But since then, there has been a new phrase sweeping across Christianity, Christian nationalism. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but there have been a lot of new isms and ideologies popping up over the last few years. Stuff that never used to be an issue has become an issue. Something as simple as love your country and infuse your love for Christ into making your country the best that it can be has now been completely muddled and Christians across the spectrum are confused, and confusion usually leads to indifference or fear. So we have our hands full today, not just on this podcast, but in life as a whole. Being a Christian has never been more complicated. How to think critically has never been more important. So we have a lot to unpack today, because if there's one thing you can be sure of, whenever you have a case of people coming up with a relatively new ideology, where it is a collusion of familiar terms that are blended into a new problem, you always have something deeper going on. There is nothing new under the sun. We know that. So what are the roots of the problem? Every issue is a sin issue in the heart of the man. So at the core, these are not new issues. If someone tries to tell you that there's a new threat and we have to confront it now, at the very least, They aren't going deep enough, and their grounding isn't on the Word of God. It's on the hyper-sensationalized culture that we live in. Or in the worst cases, they are trying to manipulate you with a carefully orchestrated narrative that redefines terms to push a completely different agenda. Welcome back to the Doxa Dialogue. My name is David Rudy. I'm the pastor at Doxa Church. And today we have a couple voices around the table with us. One new voice that faithful Doxa Dialogue listeners have heard about in the past. None other than Stephen McCloy. Welcome, Stephen. How you doing, Stephen? Good, good. How are y'all? I'm glad to be here tonight. Uh, Just really excited to dive into this and just kind of see where it takes us. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to have you here for this special topic that we're doing. So, my husband. And Becca's ben, here. Becca's here. And yeah. hello, I'm Becca. I, you might know my voice by now. It's pretty distinct. <laughs> but my husband Ben normally speaks with Amanda, yeah. who is Stephen's wife. So we did a switcheroo, and now yeah. I'm talking to Stephen tonight. <laughs> so it's it's kind of fun. We've been laughing about that. Yeah, it's so great to have a new a new guest here and a new a new voice to hear. We are going to be bringing in a few guests this season, and we really are just throwing you into the deep end of the pool today. <laughs> and I certainly appreciate it. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's all in. Today's conversation is going to lean more heavy on the current event side. And a lot of this stuff, we're just now working out ourselves. It's fresh. And the Doc's Dialogue is not a regurgitation of mainstream Christianity. This isn't where you go just to hear exactly what Christianity Today is saying. If you're a regular listener, you know that. We haven't pulled down our Conspiracy Theory podcast episode. Uh, <laughs> we analyze things. We're free thinkers. And even though we use this podcast to teach the Bible, we aren't in lockstep with anyone in particular. We're Christians seeking truth in a mad world. And this table is always open for dialogue. Mm -hmm. So if you hear something today that you don't like, or maybe you don't understand, that is all right. Just Mm -hmm. please don't get mad at us. Let's just talk about it. We have an open line of communication through our Instagram page. We always like to interact with you listeners. We, we, We really value that. Absolutely. So yeah, with all that said, I think we all can agree that our country doesn't have very much unity right now. I mean, when our president asked for a moment of silence for healthcare workers at the Super Bowl, we heard a lot of boos, and there was no moment of silence. The political divide hasn't been this strong since probably, I don't know, 1861. (laughs) So let's not be part of that, and let's have a conversation as humans who love Jesus, who are seeking 
uh, to show his love into this world, not just to our nation, but to the globe. So with all of that said, let's start this conversation. starting out that just like David already mentioned the world we live in is just getting so confusing Mm. it's getting more confusing by the minute and I honestly look around and at times I get really alarmed about it (laughs) because we are seeing so much intellectual laziness I think theological inaccuracies going around Mm. and just a lot of misinformation going around and we live in the information age. So I don't say that to, you know, shame us or to be rude, but I say that to say, I think we need to challenge ourselves to just dig, to dig a little deeper and not to blindly follow anyone or anything, no matter how winsome they are, no matter how passionate they are. I just, think that it's really, really important, especially now to, to understand that going in. And also I wanted to give a shout out to you, David. Um, I know you're not, you didn't, you didn't pay me for this guys, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) But I really appreciate that we have a pastor who is a genuine shepherd who has courage, who actually will talk about topics that are not easy and wants Mm. to shepherd his people through a crazy world um and just going there so i appreciate that it does take courage so thank you david for leading the way on that thanks guys (laughs) thanks for being part of this too we have a whole church of people that aren't afraid to we have a great great church of people that we have good conversations with so i'm so thankful for that but i truly believe we have to find our courage in this world right now and i think we've got to get better at having hard conversations lovingly and you know digging deeper so mm-hmm. that being said christian nationalism has really become a buzz phrase recently and talking about that you know intellectual laziness you know how many of us have read or listened to this ism And it's being very loudly disavowed, but we haven't been given an actual definition. (laughs) I think the first thing we always have to do, and this is the kind of speech teacher coming out of me that I used to teach public speaking. (laughs) Yeah. And you have to define your terms, right? It's the first thing you have to do. No doubt. And this is also where it's immediately pretty tricky when you do the deep dive into Christian nationalism as a topic because there's about 500 different definitions that you can <laughs> We find. all discovered that as we were, <laughs> as like, we were man, preparing. Which one are we going with? <laughs> <laughs> so one definition that I have seen kind of going around over and over. And I noticed, Stephen, I believe you. this is one of the ones that you were talking about as well, is Andrew L. Whitehead and Samuel L. Perry wrote Taking America Back for God, Christian Nationalism in the United States. Christianity Today actually had written a review on this. It's pretty pretty glowing review. And it notes that the author's definition of Christian nationalism is a cultural framework a collection of myths, traditions, symbols, narratives, and value systems that idolizes and advocates a fusion of Christianity with American civic life. It's a lot of words there. (laughs) Uh, But the Christianity of Christian nationalism represents something more than religion, is what they're saying. So according also to an organization who's using this work as well, that's pretty widely distributed online. It's it's called Christians Against Christian Nationalism. But the term refers to a, again, cultural framework that idolizes and advocates fusion of Christianity with American civil life, carries with it assumptions about nativism, white supremacy, authoritarianism, patriarchy, and militarism. But some of the things being named with politics and and policy and such are Americans who embrace Christian nationalism. They would strongly agree with statements like the federal government should declare the United States a Christian nation. The success of the United States is part of God's plan. 
the federal government should advocate Christian values. And it goes on, it kind of goes into some depth here too. It talks through a lot of race things and anti-immigration views and fears, refugees, and kind of throws a lot of people that condone police violence towards black Americans. So lumping a lot of things together there. It's a lot of things. And to be honest, if you look at that as a definition, I don't know that I really know anyone <laughs> that really fits that completely. So yeah. yeah. I I'm I, sure they're out there. We just Yes. Don't but it, know them. Again, the uh, the very very few. Unfortunately, loud sometimes, but uh, right. I yes. believe the few. Right. And I think so I'm I'm going to dig a little deeper here too because I do think that we see some of some themes, you know, and I think we we need to be able to call those things out carefully and and root out idolatry in our lives. Mm-hmm. But on a deeper look, I do think the framework that some of these definitions we're seeing is coming from is very distinctly progressive. Mm-hmm. There's a whole nother discussion that we need to have on, on that, but there's theological issues as well with some of those framework, those progressive framework things going on. So mm-hmm. one of the problems is the term is being used Christian nationalism as a straw man fallacy to label people, just slap a label. If you did this, 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 and just write off mm-hmm. pretty large swaths of people. Because of course, like we wouldn't be sitting here saying like white supremacy and casting out the refugee and not loving mm-hmm. them. Like all these things the Bible speaks very strongly about. Right. So yeah, you're saying like they're basically making this big case, lumping a whole bunch of people with mm-hmm. all these definitions Mm-hmm. A lot of the emphasis is coming from, you can see the same buzzwords from like mm-hmm. this extreme progressive side yes. that is almost using this as a tool. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I think too, with, with our culture right now, we are seeing, and this is another whole conversation as well, <laughs> but we are seeing beginnings of a soft totalitarianism. <clears throat> you can call me a crazy person, but in our culture with cancel culture, with tolerance, we've talked about these themes somewhat too. Mm-hmm. With those things, those eventually do influence policy and politics because politics is downstream of culture. And with the culture that we're seeing in our world, and I, I do think we can see that pretty clearly. It doesn't, doesn't take much to see mm-hmm. cancel culture. The thing that I think we need to be worried about is idolatry. So I do 100% think that there are people who are idolizing America, you know, seeing it as bigger in a theological framework than it actually is. Mm-hmm. And there there are some some definite issues there. There's there's people that are believing, you know, these prophecies and some problematic things, conspiracy theories. Ultimately, there's a lot of fear, there's misinformation. And I, I do want to say to, you know, all of us as Christians, we have to remember that Jesus is our King. You know, his throne is eternal. He didn't come to be an earthly King. If we remember correctly, you know, the Jews thought that they were looking for an earthly King. Um, but he, he didn't come to do that. He came to save us from our sins and America is not Israel. So I think, I think if you go to Doxa church, you, you know, that where we're where we stand on theology there but mm-hmm. america isn't israel or the church and there is a framework that we have to get right as christians yeah. there yeah and if we have a myopic or a narrow view of, of history of the church or christianity itself we're going to get kind of sucked into some things that, so i do want to call that out and say that but ephesians 1 really struck me this week because paul talks about our salvation in christ the resurrection, our inheritance of a heavenly kingdom, not an earthly one, again. And he goes on to say in verses 22 to 26, this is Paul writing, For as, as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. 
for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. And this is just one of many, many passages that talks about how God is the one who is in ultimate control of everything. He is the one who raises up kings and brings them down. Daniel 2.21 he, he changes the time and the seasons. He removes mm-hmm. kings and sets up kings. And he will restore this earth and everything in it someday. Amen. Thank you. Right? Thank you, We're on <laughs> that track. You know, that there's so much hope there. And, you know, no human can do that. No human will ever do that. No human can be our savior. Only Jesus. So we, mm-hmm. we can't conflate politics with and it's the, the <laughs> it's really the the unbeliever who has you know who doesn't have a relationship with God, who does look at policies, politics, political figures as their savior. Like right. they're the if you look at the world out there, they really do look at it that way. It's life or death to them. It's like it's becoming their their religion where right. they look to these people for for hope in this world. You guys are just stealing all my thunder over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna just stop and let let Stephen take it away. But I did want to say, are you a Christian nationalist? You know, simply because you love and appreciate America. What do you guys? What do you think? I'm gonna say no. <laughs> no, right? You know, are you a Christian nationalist simply because you are patriotic or serve in the military? Negative. I hope not, because Stephen did Yeah, seeing as how I spent quite a few years there. Uh, (laughs) I certainly hope not. Right? (laughs) Definitely not. Um, Are you a Christian nationalist simply because you believe that God raised up America for a special purpose in order to bless and help the world? I'm going to say no again. I'm going to say no as well. Some people may think you are if you think that, but (laughs) God using something is awesome. He Mm -hmm. can use anything, right? So... So no, are you a Christian nationalist because you voted for a platform that most reflects your values as a believer? Mm. No. Um, but you you might be a Christian nationalist if you do confuse loyalty to your country with loyalty to the kingdom of God. You know, if, and this is from a guy named Jeremy Beller. He says, Christian nationalism is the intertwining of the kingdom of God with the kingdom of men. Um, In the American context, it's often displayed by describing America through language reserved for the kingdom of God. And I do think you see that some, and we want to make that distinction. But that all being said, and this is my last point here, I believe the danger right now is that in a fear to not go that far with this, right now I see a lot of people unfairly slapping this label around, shaming people into being so afraid of being called something they aren't that they lose their ability to use their voice and actually engage in the public square. And Christians need to engage in the public square. Mm-hmm. And if we're really honest, and this this comes, this next thing I'm going to say comes a lot from Allie Beth Stuckey, I believe, has written in and so she has a podcast that she's spoken really well on this and she talks about that there's really no such thing as neutrality you know everyone has a worldview and everyone operates from that worldview and everyone wants to influence the world with their worldview (laughs) so even if you're bad at communicating what your worldview is you have one and secularism has its own dogma rules behaviors so one question I have is, you know, show me the Christian nationalism that's being pushed in policies. Mm-hmm. Because I do see bill after bill being pushed and now passed on really, really secular policies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and a, another question, you know, if someone So you're saying like, this is probably not the problem that we need to be overly con- overly concerned about. Right. I think there's, there's, there's definitely some things going on here yeah. that... Uh, you know, but was William Wilberforce a Christian nationalist because his Christian faith led him to believe that slavery needed to be abolished? You know, I mean, mm. that we we have to make that distinction. So we can't be so afraid of being called a Christian nationalist that we fall asleep to our world. And we're still called to be salt and light. And I think we have to make every decision that we make through the lens of the gospel. You know, our faith, our values should inform our politics our pocketbooks, 
our voices and our choices every day. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, if you really know Christ and you're challenged on this and like, and you hear everything that you just heard, I mean, because it would be a legitimate problem if you have a Christian who loves Jesus running around thinking that the, the answer to the world is America. So I have to like fix all the world's problems with America. Mm-hmm. I don't know of any believer who, who wouldn't be corrected and immediately like, Definitely oh, not yeah, church. oh, that's a good point of view. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. thanks for sharing that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying this isn't a problem. Like if, if there's a Christian who's genuinely confused on this kind of mm-hmm. stuff, then yeah, we want to correct them. But like I think a genuine Christian is going to understand that pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Like they understand their own depravity. They, they see what man is up to, mm-hmm. and we know God is the answer and, and repentance and forgiveness. You know, I think even most unbelievers would probably agree that, you know, America saving the day is not the answer. Um, right. I mean, it, you know, it's not hard to turn on the news and just see that there's bigger problems than, you know, us throwing money at something can take care of. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, you know, show military force, which, I mean, there's times that that certainly worked in history. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at this point in time, I mean, yeah, I would be hard pressed to find somebody that actually truly believes that. Right. some perspectives on that. You and I are going to be hitting on a lot of the same points. Um, mm-hmm. I'm taking a little bit of a different perspective on that on you, but, yeah. um, you know, it's just so funny that without even talking to each other, we, I mean, we, <laughs> we came to these same conclusions. I right. think that's a, you know, pretty powerful thing. That's cool. So for me, the way I like to think about problems is, you know, through questions and then almost like a Socratic method, but you know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. asking myself questions and then I try and answer those questions through research. And to be honest with you, Christian nationalism was, new to me yeah i mean i know what a nationalist is like you know that's a right i feel like that's pretty self-explanatory definition it's a historic uh, thing yeah (laughs) and just uh so you know when y'all approached me about this and i started looking into it i was honestly just i was surprised Mm -hmm. so i said you know what kind of in the same uh the same way as becca i had to go in and say well let me make sure my definitions are straight so uh you know for the first thing here i said hey you know what is nationalism what yeah. is patriotism? And in doing this research, I picked up another definition that I think would act more accurately describe what people are talking about here than the Christian nationalism that's being thrown out now. Yeah. So for the first one, and this is the simplest definition you can get. If you throw this into Google, this is literally the first thing that's going to come up. And I just want to keep things simple. Being in the military, I had the kiss, keep it simple, stupid. So I try and do that <laughs> in every aspect of my life. <laughs> yeah. I don't, th- I I don't think it. I'm smart enough to make things hard. <laughs> so... Um, so simple de- definition right here for nationalism. Nationalism holds that each nation should govern itself so they are sovereign and free from outside interference, self-determination. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then we have patriotism. It's a deep love or admiration and devotion for a land, society, or tribe. And then the final definition I came across, which again was just so interesting to me, is chauvinism. Now this mm-hmm. is based off of uh, a guy, apparently his name was Chauvin. Uh, he was a follower of Napoleon Bonaparte, even after he was badly wounded. Oh, Napoleon nice. had been arrested, you mm-hmm. know, thrown out, um, you yeah. know, put on that little island by himself. He was still just Oba. very <laughs> devoted yeah. to Napoleon. Uh, you know, I mean, he was fanatical okay. with his devotion. Yes, so that's where this definition came from. And again, the simplest definition is extreme belief that one's group is superior and that all others are weak or unworthy. Yeah. Mm. So then hearing that definition and then looking at the definition of Christian nationalism, which, again, um, you know, this is a relatively new trendy term mm-hmm. that uh, many conservatives, mm-hmm. whether they're Christian or not, and this is specifically talking about America here, are being thrown into. So, again, I'm going to echo uh, Becca on this one. And Whitehead and Perry in their article, Taking America Back for God, Christian Nationalism in the U.S., assert that, Christian nationalism is simply using the Bible to impose a conservative political agenda and brand their political opponents as ungodly and un-American. Mm. Right? So we go back to we're using a very broad brush here to paint huge groups of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this new trendy definition that many conservatives, whether they're Christians or not, are being thrown into seems to ignore the fact that there are people across the world who are Christians and love their country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that they would consider themselves Christians and not Christian nationalists. So mm-hmm. the first part that's problematic with this definition is the fact that this 
Christian nationalism seems to just focus on American Christian nationalism. Mm-hmm. And you have to say, okay, well, well why is that? Um, again, there's so many people across the world that they choose to approach uh, their worldview and the government and how you you know how you vote in the political party you're mm-hmm. going to be attached to is included in that um, with a Christ-centered worldview. And that's mm-hmm. just not what we see in this true definition. Again, it's more in line with the chauvinist, the extreme, you know, fanatical belief that, you know, my group is superior mm-hmm. and uh, that all others are weak or unworthy. And again, we, we've already said that there's certainly people in America and everywhere that believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, that, that comes to no surprise, but it's not this sweeping problem. You know, that, that is a point that most people are quickly forgetting mm-hmm. that all throughout time in every country, Mm-hmm. There are there are people, groups of people who believe they're better than the other person. They look down on people who are different and than it them. It doesn't go well <laughs> when they really get into that, right? And that's where, you know, it just gets so complicated with the media and having just, you know, access to everything. <laughs> literally with just one touch away, um, you know, literally typing Christian nationalism in here. I mean, again, you would make it think it's this crazy pervasive problem that's just right. all across America, uh, you know, that there's these white supremacists in here that are marginalizing all other religions mm-hmm. under their heavy, you know, blue-collar, working-class boot. Um, <laughs> you, know, mm-hmm. they're, you know, they've got their, uh, their guns locked and loaded and they're ready to go, and they want to hold <laughs> down anyone who disagrees with them and keep right. any non-believer subservient. And you really that? have to say, like, where is that? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm not to get too much into it, but you address the Capitol riots. I mean, you see, you can see two very different things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one thing from the media and then other, you know, people posting private videos that are showing something completely different, a peaceful mm-hmm. protest. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're not here to dissect that. It's just, uh, we have to be so careful with what we're taking in because uh, it's so easy to get skewed and thinking, like we mentioned earlier, there's something that's a huge problem when it's probably mm-hmm. not the biggest problem that we're facing today. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many factors at play. And mm-hmm. like we're seeing, there's so many things that are lumping into one term and it's, mm-hmm. there's, they're all separate things that need to be addressed for sure. Mm-hmm. But whoo, it's a lot. Yeah. And you know, I believe if we, uh, you know, we try and be objective about this and we really take a step back from the definition that we're getting, of conservative Christian nationalism, and you know, I'm using air quotes with this. Um, I think we that it would say that that and progressive liberalism are just two sides of the same coin. They're mm-hmm. both taking tricks from the same playbook and just mm-hmm. calling them by a different name. Mm-hmm. And again, Becca, you hit on it too. By definition, what everyone is trying to do is influence the world around them to fit their worldview, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's either going to be, you know, a Christ-centered worldview or it's not. Right. And you're going to mm-hmm. try and justify your actions either way. Um, mm-hmm. and again, not to marginalize anyone, but, uh, David, we kind of hit on it, you know, it's very unfortunate, but a large portion of the modern left and progressives in America, they derive their morals, not from anything biblical, right. but, or anything we would even think of as a religion, but from their new religion of government. And they want to give that the authority above all else. Yeah. And, you know, the claim is, uh, again, that Christian nationalists want to empower the government to somehow shut down all other religions or non-believers uh, and make mm-hmm. their adherents some sort of second-class citizens. But, you know, pulling back, mm-hmm. trying to distance ourselves from this, we see exactly uh, what these modern-day progressivists is, are trying to do under a thinly-veiled sheet of, and this is a very popular term now, and... Uh, this is actually Whitehead and Perry's in the article we mentioned earlier, um, Taking Back America for God. Their own language here is tolerance. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tolerance for all, unless you don't agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and that, you know, that's a very slippery slope. Um, <laughs> and unity, unless unity, it, unity yeah. is you agree with, with me. With this thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I would actually venture, and I think we've probably established this right now, that the average person that's getting this huge label slapped on them actually wants the exact opposite of that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they want freedom, it's freedom, really, right? A lot Less of them. government oversight. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't want a state mandated government. I mean, you can go to, mm-hmm. you know, China. They have their state mandated, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sorry, state mandated religion over there, and um, you know, North Korea. Again, the mm-hmm. government is a religion, and I think it's pretty safe to say that m- for the, m- the most part, most people in America don't want that. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so. It's natural for people to love where they're from. Uh, you know, from a biblical perspective, it's evident that God builds up nations and has plans for all nations, mm-hmm. and we're all placed in them for a very specific purpose. Right. Two verses here, uh, you know, Romans 9, 
uh, Romans chapter 9, verse 17. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, I have raised you up for the very purpose of showing my power in you so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. And now for those of you who don't know, Pharaoh, ruler of Egypt, I think we all mm-hmm. probably know that now, but, um, you know, didn't do so well in the Bible <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> after a certain time. Um, and so the next verse here is, David, you know, you were actually just in this one uh, last Sunday. Is it Malachi 3, yeah. verses 11 through 12? Um, and, man, you just hit me like a, you know, just thinking about this, and you, know, you reading through it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, mm-hmm. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight. Mm. So yeah, there's just a couple things we see that, right? God sets up nations, and he brings them down with his judgment. And we should all be thankful mm-hmm. uh, at this point if we, you know, to mm-hmm. live wherever we are. And again, some nations are certainly not as good as America. Um, right. And I'm not saying this from a... You know, like, hey, we're holier than thou. We're better than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, from a, we live in an amazing, prosperous, yeah. peaceful, and yeah. understanding culture. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you can even see from that verse too. The balanced view is in play in that verse because that verse is what it's saying is God wants to use His people, Israel, to be a blessing to all these other nations, mm-hmm. which is what He's always wanted for His people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this. So, that, I mean, to the actual hardcore extreme christian nationalist that person that we don't really we don't really know many of those people but they are mm-hmm. out there i would say hey that's that's a verse for you look you mm-hmm. should be willing to do something for for, for your neighboring country mm-hmm. you should you should care about someone mm-hmm. else other than your own country mm-hmm. too america has literally helped billions of people mm-hmm. throughout the world um you know whether that's through the money that we give every single year, whether that's through, you know, mission trips, mm-hmm. um, you know, spreading the word, medical mission trips, mm-hmm. uh, or the military coming in and saving people. And I'm not talking about just, again, a show of force here. I'm talking when the uh, the earthquake happened in Haiti. Mm-hmm. Who was the first to respond? Right. Yeah. The American military was the first to respond, bringing right. supplies and personnel in there to help with that. Um, so, again, we the, America has done some really good things, but that doesn't mean that all these freedoms and blessings we have uh, were set in place by Christ. Right? Well, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I, I need to be clear with that. Doesn't mean that they were uh, they are all Christ centered, right? They weren't mm-hmm. all done in the name of Christ, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and I don't think there's anyone that's disputing that. So, pulling back a little bit and looking at America as a whole, I think this is where the definition of Christian nationalism just starts to fall apart. Uh, America has glaring holes in our laws and principles that show that this definition just doesn't fit. The First Amendment is a prime example of that. Mm -hmm. It literally states that no law shall be made against the establishment of religion. Mm -hmm. That means every religion. Mm -hmm. You know, I've yet to see anyone demanding that we amend it to say something along the lines of Congress shall make no law respecting (laughs) an establishment of a Christian religion. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, It's all religions. It's all religions, right? And that's just one. So I can kind of see where people are coming from, but you have to say, like, okay, is this actually true? Like, is Mm -hmm. this what we're actually seeing in the world? So my follow-on question, you know, for me is in the modern-day world of tolerance and just knowing what we know about America's laws and how they were written and, um, you know, that the founders, they weren't all Christian, right? We, I mean, we know this now. Yeah. Uh, some yeah. of them were deists. This would be another good point. Yeah, this is another good point to bring right. up about, like, that that rare person who truly is extreme in the nationalism part. America isn't a Christian nation. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you go right. all the way back. Like, of course there were Christians, who were who were founders? They but, definitely were, but not all of them. Yeah, Christianity yeah. in the Bible, but right. not all of them were belie- what we'd say believers at all. Right. Well, but they and they also knew, you know, like religious persecution is a real thing, and, and they, 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 they wanted it. to avoid that. Yeah, right. so avoid yeah. that. And again, they were very intelligent because they wanted to make sure that documents were written mm-hmm. and laws were in right. place to avoid that in the future. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so. Knowing that and knowing that we live in this, the culture of now is just this tolerance of, um, and I think you said, David, unity, right? But mm-hmm. Like only if you're in lockstep with me. Yeah. Is it still really beneficial to claim that you're a Christian and to want to change America to truly, to a purely Christian nation? Uh, again, of course, mm-hmm. some people want to do this. They, they truly feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know, the same way that, you know, some Muslims chant, you know, death to America, death to the Jews. The same way that there's Americans in here that want to see America fall just because they think that somehow capitalism is inherently evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, having more than someone else obviously you know, automatically makes you a bad person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
you know, as we talked about, these are just these opinions are much less popular than we're being led to believe. Um, and we again see this broad brush being used to paint anyone, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who identified as a conservative, a Christian, or who voted for Trump uh, as mm-hmm. a white supremacist, only interested in you know having their gun-toting savior <laughs> subdued <laughs> the non-Christian few. Um, mm-hmm. And it, you know, this is how it's being presented to us. But is this really true? Is, is this truly what we're seeing in today's America, or is this more of a to be a Christian now, is it more of a branding of bigotry and intolerance? Mm, um, mm-hmm. You know, I would say, and if you can answer this right. question honestly, you would probably be pretty surprised, but are people more afraid to speak up in the workplace for Christ or for the latest perceived LGBTQ issue? Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, good question. You, um, good question. You know, and I, I certainly don't say this to insinuate that Christians in America are victims because thanks to the First and Second Amendment, <laughs> uh, we certainly aren't. Right. But the status that we previously gained or that someone could previously have by just proclaiming themselves to be a Christian has certainly diminished. Uh, I from totally what it was agree. Years yeah. ago, That's a good point. Yeah, I just I don't think it's that beneficial. So, circling back to, and this will be my final point. The previous question I ask is, can I be a Christian and still love my country? Again, the answer it's pretty apparent. Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. Right, but. Like Becca said, what we have to do is be extremely careful because the danger isn't so much in loving your country. It's putting too much love into patriotism or too much love and faith into government and placing our whole identity in those things. And that's where, by definition, you'd be more of that chauvinism. We have to make sure that we aren't equating a win for our political party as a win for Jesus. The truth is that our preferred political candidates and political agenda can't save us. Mm -hmm. While having a Christian nation... Sounds amazing. <laughs> you can't legislate belief into existence. No. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if, show me somebody that say can, please, because uh, <laughs> that's, you know, trying to legislate Christianity into people's lives is as ridiculous as trying to legislate racism out of it. Right. right? Yeah. It comes back to it's a heart problem, right? That, that, that is literally where the problem is. And we can't force anyone to do anything uh, or be anything any more than we can save ourselves and just to give kind of a funny story, um, and I was actually reminiscing. I tell the story, uh, you know, a lot, especially like friends that are just getting married, because it was a good life lesson for me. Yeah. Um, you know, man, and I've been married for eleven years now, coming up. Congrats. And, awesome. Yeah. So we've been married for maybe a year, and we were arguing about something. I, you know, I, I, I don't remember what it is. You never remember, it, right? Exactly. You know, and I was trying so hard to get my point across to her. You know, and I, I can unfortunately, uh, I can be kind of brutish, and I, I've I've tried to pull that back as I've gotten a little older. Um, you know, but more of the sledgehammer than uh, you know than the gentle. Steven, no way, no way. Um, so you know, I'm sure Please. we were you know hashing it out the night before, and the next day I got to work, and I was uh, I was talking to my boss, and I said, you know, how can I make her see whatever it was, and he, he stopped, we were walking, he stopped, and he looked at me, and he said, well, the first thing you're going to have to learn is you can't make anyone anything. <laughs> see anything. Like, you literally can't. <laughs> like, you can't change their mind. You know, he's like, you can present them with the evidence, and then it's completely up to them, mm-hmm. um, and that one just, you know, <laughs> it hit me like a ton of bricks, because this is, again, where just the definition falls apart, right? You can't do this. God has raised up so many nations throughout history, and time and time again, they've all fallen short. First mm-hmm. Peter 2.11 says that we're temporary sojourners and pilgrims on this earth, and we're in the world, but not of the world. Yeah. And our time here should not be spent throwing all our hope into administrations and leaders that are going to fade away and ultimately disappoint us, no matter which side right. you fall on. Right. Mm-hmm. Instead, we should focus on that which won't fail, the eternal kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, y'all both just crushed it because we're seeing here why we're even bringing up this topic. Just to remind everyone, this is one of those issues that is kind of like a false flag narrative where we're led to believe one thing, that we need to be on guard against this, we need to worry about this, we need to fight against this, when really it just comes down to like we have the same old problems we've always had, mm-hmm. sin in people's hearts. And people need Jesus Christ. And as soon as they get to know Jesus Christ, they're going to start loving Jesus Christ more than their country because they see what he did for them. Right. right. So, so all of this said, like, we, we don't want you to be confused. We don't want you to be angry about stuff that isn't really as big of a problem as the person who is telling you that is leading you to believe. Right. But yeah, great, great stuff.
Jeremiah 29 says this. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests and the prophets and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. I'm going to skip a few verses here with a lot of names. Verse 4, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. So I want to just pull out three points from this passage of scripture really quickly as we wrap up and put a summary on this topic because y'all have just really hit a lot of good points. But first of all, this is saying like, hey, you're in exile. You're in this other country. This isn't like your homeland. But there's something here for you. Even in hard times, don't stop living your best life. Just because life is hard right now doesn't mean you shouldn't have kids and plant gardens and love the community that that you're surrounded by. Mm. So seek the welfare of the city, love your neighbor, build up your community. Again, Malachi 3, like you mentioned, Stephen, same thing there. We, you want to be a storehouse of blessing, and America has done that. And then thirdly, I think it's interesting. This is what I was just saying as I led into this one, but don't listen to the noise. Listen to God. That verse 8 there says, don't let the prophets or diviners who are among you deceive you and not listen to the dreams that they dream for it is a lie that they're prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. So again, there's a reminder here. We don't need to listen to every single person that has a voice. Like every person that is on the radio or on a TV show that's saying one thing, Mm -hmm. we need to go back to what does God say about all of this. Mm -hmm. And y'all have really brought some spiritual insight into this tricky, multifaceted issue. So what does the Bible, I want to just review almost, what does it really say about nationalism, globalism, and our Christian mission? Let's just end with that. So as we said, nationalism, it's been discussed, but I want to give a little bit more history about this term just for context. So I think framing it this way will help us see. Mm -hmm. So for decades, nationalism has been the ideology based on the premise that the individual's loyalty and devotion to the nation state surpasses other individual groups or interests. And you know, I'm really thankful to be a graduate of, of Christian school. I know not everyone has that opportunity. Had a great history and government teacher. Though. Yeah, we did. We did. She taught history, government from a biblical perspective. Lived through the Great Depression. Right, right. I say more. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of people get that anymore. But I mean, just think about Chiang Kai-shek. We've, we've all heard his name from history, the leader of nationalist China. And, you know, after China defended themselves against Japan in 1945, Chiang Kai-shek had his own civil war in his hands with Mao Zedong and the Communist Chinese Party. Well, Chiang Kai-shek, the nationalist Chinese leader, wanted China to remain free. General Mao was the polar opposite. He was a dictatorial authoritarian. Mm -hmm. And Chiang Kai-shek lost to the communists, and he had to flee and find refuge in Taiwan. Fast forward to this present day, our last president said he was a, a nationalist, a person who wants their country to be politically independent. You know, that's what he said, and he got a lot of criticism from that because there's a lot of people who are globalists right now. A globalist is a person who wants the globe to do well, and, uh, and this, is what, this is what our last president said about this. A globalist is a person that wants the globe to do well, frankly, not caring about our country so much. And you know what? We can't have that. So that was his quote. <laughs> <It's a classic. laughs> Sounds just like him, right? Classic. Yes. Um, I don't want to get too bogged down here, but everyone is arguing, as we've discussed, everyone is arguing what nationalism is, and it is an evolving term. I, I want us to like see that. Um, at the same time, you hear of nationalism back in our history in the time of Teddy Roosevelt. You know, in that period of time in our country, 
we had extreme patriotism and love of country. And I would say if you're really worried about what what we're we're really worried about right now as far as Christian nationalism, that was that was like extreme nationalism that was going on. And we wanted to even go in and colonize the Philippines. You know, that's kind of been brushed away in the history books. Not a lot mm-hmm. of people talk about that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that would have fallen under the heading of of an extreme nationalism. Charles Lindbergh was the first man to fly nonstop across the ocean from New York to Paris. And he was an ardent America first activist who didn't want the United States to get entangled in foreign wars, just -hmm. like our founding fathers. So he was a nationalist. And the point is the term can mean a lot of different things depending on when and where you are in history. And you can't look at history through a 2021 lens. Yeah. You cannot, you have to look at it in the lens that at that time, yeah, and even just like, like I don't know, five, six, maybe eight years ago now, the Republican Party widely mocked and condemned Ron Paul of being an isolationist mm-hmm. when he said the U.S. military should not get entangled with the mess going on in the Middle East. So all of these things fall under this umbrella, and you can see, at least hopefully you can see, I'm trying to just paint a picture here where you can see it does look different, and this term is constantly changing. morphing and changing. So we aren't here to tell you exactly what to think politically. We are here to talk about living your life on mission for the glory of God. But at the face value, you should be taking care of your home first, right? Um, And I think this is where the confusion really sets in for a lot of people because we want to think that, but then you almost hear this and you're like, oh, well, maybe, maybe I shouldn't think that. But it would be weird and off if I cared for someone else's family and I did everything I could for them to the neglect of my own family. And to me, this is the, the simplest way to look at this. There are going to be degrees where different people fall differently on this, but at the base level, nationalism isn't evil in and of itself. Just like anything, of course, you can go to the extremes, but as you guys have all said here, we have to balance our love of our homeland with our love for the world. So let's talk about globalism for a second. You know, there's so much that could be said. This could really be a podcast of its own, and I'm going to keep this brief. But God loved the world. He sent his son to be the savior of every tribe, tongue, and nation. We are called to be witnesses in our local Jerusalem, our city, into Samaria, our surrounding and extended area, and into the uttermost parts of the earth. The Great Commission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of Jesus Christ. We, We support missionaries who go out and proselytize. So you have this side that Christians should have a heart for the globe. Right. But I have even heard, and this was even before like Christian nationalism like blew up over the last month, like I've heard Christians who go so far with that that they don't really care about their country at all. They are for the global church, but in doing so they throw out their own home church under the bus and um, the American church is the ultimate bad guy. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would say again, like, what are you doing here? How can you care so much for the global church and not care for your own church mm-hmm. that your own families and your own communities are like living in? And you don't hear that from people from other countries. You right. really don't. Right. They're they're actually for us. Like they're on the same team. <laughs> yeah. You know? They want America to do well. Yeah. So this all goes back again to, to something we all know, but we have to be reminded, especially when we're hearing all the noise. Satan is the prince and the power of the air. His domain right now is this present darkness of earth, and one day he will indwell a one-world ruler who will create a universal, totalitarian, one-world government. And there are right now evil people in high places who are conspiring to end national sovereignty and bring the entire world together. That's in Revelation Mm -hmm. and sounds like a conspiracy theory because it is a conspiracy theory that's going on out there (laughs) and it's not talked about very much, but I am pro-globalism when it comes to the gospel, but I'm for individual rights, states' rights, and individual autonomy of every individual nation, nation state across the globe. I want to keep the United States as long as we can. Because going back to scripture, that's where we are planted by God. Mm -hmm. We are to make our churches into a lighthouse to shine the glory of God and impact the lost with radical generosity and love. So you can be a globalist and a nationalist. Those terms aren't mutually Mm -hmm. exclusive. That's something that every Christian Mm -hmm. needs to remember. Mm -hmm. It's just how you look at them. Are you looking at them through the biblical lens or from the self-centered 
like right now, 2021, mm -hmm. highly politicized lens. Right. That's so well said, David, because I do actually feel like I've, I've heard things like that a lot, even lately. It's just, oh, well, oh, well, America's going down. Oh, well, oh, well. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and I, and I agree that it's not the end all be all. Obviously, we're spending time sa saying that. Yeah. But we don't want to see anything just totally right. go down. Freedom is cool. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, cool, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's why America, I really truly believe is one of the greatest nations in the history of mankind is because mm -hmm. we were founded with this pursuit of religious freedom mm -hmm. and, and just all these ideals that, yeah, they weren't perfect. Like there were sinners back Absolutely. then they were making serious mistakes and there's always been, mm -hmm. you know, harsh things and injustice, like, of course, but mm -hmm. the driving pursuit is give people freedom, let, let them have the individual property rights and all those things mm -hmm. to allow them to flourish. And I, of course, I don't want that to, I don't want that to go away from my kids. So right. I want to, I want to do everything I can to see that, see that stay. But I don't put that over the gospel. That's and not whatever my life. happens, God will take care of us. Take care of us. He'll be with us. We, he, his mission yep. goes forward. So whatever happens, we're okay. <laughs> exactly. So yes, globalist, nationalist. I'm both because I believe I'm looking at them from a biblical lens, not a new world order lens. And the only thing that gives balance and perspective is the truth of the gospel. So when you're hearing all this. Go back to individual heart. Where are you at with that? What is your heart's treasure? Who is your king? And, and who are you really living for? What's the answer to our problems? Those are the questions. Once you answer those, you will know whether you're balanced or not. Right. If we are determined to seek the welfare of our city, to love our neighbors, and to reach people for Jesus Christ, we will love our country and we will love the world. Thanks again for listening to the Docs and Dialogue. Went a little long today, but hopefully you're still with us. And if you would like, once again, to leave a review for us, we would greatly appreciate that. It helps out this podcast. Share this with a friend. Spread the word. You are loved.